David has this pretty even-killed demeanor, and I'm standing back going, <laughs> you never know if he's going to make a joke or if he's going to stay serious. So I'm sitting back, and he's starting. I'm like, I wonder where this is going. It was really good, David. <laughs> That's why, he, so if you're with him in shepherd's meetings, he'll just be talking like he talks, and then he'll just say something ridiculous like he did, and you'll, everyone busts out laughing because it was a good joke. <laughs> he's got, he's ready to go. I just opened a, a door for him to, to step through. Um, a couple things. One thing is I'm trying to listen to the Spirit because last week whenever um, I hadn't had this message planned and I was singing songs over here and, and the Lord brought up this Greek word to me, which actually I was going to talk about at the end, and I probably still will, but it's only mentioned four times in the entire Bible. And two of the times have to do with the transfiguration. And what's interesting is John texted a group of us this morning with the transfiguration. John just read Romans chapter 12, which is the same Greek word. And then at the end of the sermon, I'm going to, so all three places, because it's in two Gospels, um, it's the Greek word for metamor- where we get metamorphosis from about being transformed. So I'm, we're going to get there, but it's, I don't know. Holy Spirit, open up our hearts. It's interesting that you've had that word on our hearts already this morning, and we desire to be transformed. Uh, open up, speak to us whatever areas of our life that you desire to, to see that take place, Lord. Uh, Stones River, as a community, any areas that we can be transformed, um, that we would just be open to that, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right, yeah, so just keep that in the back of your mind, I think. Let's go to my first slide. Who's been on a crash diet before? No one's going to raise their hand, but like probably everyone's tried one, right? <laughs> um, Ben's like, the only crash diet I've ever been in when I was eating a burger in a wreck. Sorry, I just made... <laughs> I don't know, that just came to me right then. That was pretty good, I think, actually. <laughs> I'm thinking... All right, sorry. All right. Who's, who's doing, is anyone doing a crash diet right now? A serious, hardcore? Anybody doing keto right now? A couple people doing keto right now? That's a pretty, I wouldn't say that's a crash diet, but that's a, that's a serious change in your diet. How about, go to the next slide. Who's done a crazy workout before? Does anyone know, I just saw this picture and I was like, I've got to show the folks this morning. I know what he's doing. You know, Larissa, how I taught you how to use that, you know, we were, that, that mach- you know that machine. Not like that. Remember what, yeah, like you can do pull-ups or you can do dips, and there's a little bench there. It's supposed to go back and forth to kind of uh, make it easier on you distributing the weight. Apparently, he's, what would you do if you saw that guy? Where his head is should be, will go down. He's trying to go like this, but if you saw that guy in the gym, I don't know, but he's going to do the splits if he's not careful there. But how many, how many of us, have, how many of y'all have gone like, crazy workout routine. Like, uh, like maybe January 1st hits, and you're like, I'm in this. I'm in it to win it. I'm going. I'm going to spend two hours in the gym. Dean does every day. Don't you? <laughs> That's pretty funny, I guess. I didn't know it was that funny. This is the way Seth Randall works out. If you ever go with Seth, and he's never eaten a pea in his life, like he eats his food in about three minutes. If you've ever had lunch with him, like you're just taking your first bite, and he's completely finished. He's like all in on life. Why do I show these pictures? Um, as we've been talking about prayer the last three, four weeks or whatever, my biggest 
fear, if that's the right word, is that this becomes a crash diet for Stones River. You guys ever done it? You ever been part of a church? Or I've done it. Like, you're all excited, and we're like, well, let's, let's, you know, focus on X, Y, or Z. And then for like a month or two months or three months, it happens. Then a year later, I'm like, hey, or I reflect on my life, and I go, I totally forgot about that. Nothing really changed. Nothing really transformed in my life. And so I've titled this message, Becoming a People of Prayer. So this is not just about like, you know, Greg and John, all, all of us are sharing and the shepherds are sharing and, and, we, and we want to, we're sharing about this idea of prayer being missional, but like our heart is for this to be lifestyle, right? Life changing for us, not to be some kind of a, a, a crash diet. Believe it or not, when I first got married, I should have showed the picture. I, I, people tell me all the time, John, you just got a great metabolism. Sometimes it irritates me a little bit when they say that. I do, th- I do have a decent metabolism, but I work really hard <laughs> to stay fit. <laughs> so I'm like, that's interesting. I have a picture that whenever we first got married, Larissa's seen it. I gained 30 pounds like that. I had a, I had a nice little round face. I was ready to go. I was, I was like, I, I had a, I, it was like early 20s, and I was like, okay, I've got a decision to make in my life. Do I want to make lifestyle change <laughs> Who do I want to keep getting bigger? And so a couple things that I did is, uh, first thing I did was I cut out sodas because I was like, I got to get done with this. Some of you are like, dang it. But you know, I'm not telling you to do that. And I started exercising at least 30 minutes a day. It wasn't some like, oh, I'm going to work out for four hours a day and I'm going to do some crazy diet. It was just like, I w- I'm going to change my lifestyle. And people ask me now, like, I work out even longer than that. Like, how do you, how do you dedicate this? I'm like, my, I just changed my life 15 years ago. And it's just, I'm used to it now. That's one area of discipline I have. I could tell you about 17 other ones where I haven't done that, so that's not to brag. (laughs) But prayer, becoming a people of prayer, is changing, putting disciplines and allowing God to change our lifestyle to where in a year or two or three from now, we're talking about how much more communion we're having with the Lord, how much more as we're driving, we're looking around at our community, how much more we're praying for our workplaces, how much more we're praying for our children and allowing what God is speaking to us to obey it and walk it out, right? So let's turn to Mark chapter 11. Because this, I'm going to look at two passages, this and then 2 Corinthians 3 here in a bit. I love this passage because it really shows God's heart in relation to prayer. And as we'll see, what a privilege it is for you and I to be a part of it. A privilege it is. So I'm, I'll, I'll probably, I'm going to start reading in verse 15, but I'll just kind of build up to it. In, in chapter 11, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Does anybody know why he's going to Jerusalem in this passage right now? Got some head nods? It's Passover. Do you all know what happened at Passover? It's one of the three pilgrimage feasts. All right, so all Israel was to come and present themselves before the Lord, all right, which this was at the temple. This was Herod's temple, and they were all coming. And so Jesus was coming for Passover, and so was all kinds of Jewish people all around the region. They're all coming, okay? But something crazy, amazing happens is as he's doing it, he goes and tells his disciples, go untie a colt. And to make a long story short, they put their cloaks on the colt, and Jesus comes riding in towards Jerusalem. 
people began to throw their cloaks on the ground, wave palm branches, and we know Hosanna. See, what do you say? Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. So if there were talks of Jesus being the anointed one to come, this is like fever pitch. They're literally saying words like, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Like, hey, is this it? Is this the guy? He's going to restore David's kingdom to us? Like, so this is an incredible passage. In verse 11, it says that Jesus goes into Jerusalem, and he just surveys, it looks like. He went into the temple, and he looked around at everything. As it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So he goes and he surveys and is checking out what's going on here at the temple. All these people are coming in for Passover. In verse 12, he curses the fig tree because it wouldn't bear fruit. But we're not, I'm not going to talk too much about that, though I could, and it would be awesome. But let's go to verse 15. Then he came to Jerusalem. So this is the second time here in this short passage he comes to Jerusalem. And he entered the temple... You can go to the next slide if you want. And began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. So first we know that this was not a rash reaction that Jesus has. Because Jesus already went, he surveyed, he looked and saw what was going on. At this moment, though, this is just an incredible thought that, all, that, that, that there's a crowd of people who believes this could be the anointed one, spreading their cloaks. This could be the king. This could be the one to restore David's kingdom. And it looks like his first like, public act is turning tables over and knocking things over. Isn't, isn't that wild? Like some of us, you may be like, is that in Jesus' character? What is he doing? Why is he doing that? This is, a, this is a significant moment. We can't just go past it and go, huh? Well, I guess they were just, you know, stealing money from people and different things like that. That's not even close to the depth <laughs> of what's happening right here. So he goes and he starts knocking these things over. And then he says in verse 17, he was teaching and saying, I'm going to turn my page, is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Verse 18 goes on to say, When the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. When Jesus says it is written, he actually quotes from two different prophets in this passage. So if you want to go, if we want to read this and go, why did Jesus do this? And I've heard people speculate, just see what Jesus is saying. Like, it's in the text. Why is Jesus knocking over tables? If you go and we read, which we will real quick, Jeremiah and Isaiah, when Jesus says it is written, he knows he's not just quoting passages out of context. He's not just going this or that or pulling things out. He knows the context for what he's saying. I love this fact, and we'll get on to it, that he's so zealous for God's house that it would be a house of what? Of prayer for who? For all the nations. All right, so let's go. Let's, I'm going to go Jeremiah and then Isaiah really quick. All right, where is my bookmark at? It's got to be somewhere. There we go. Jeremiah 7, if you want to, to, to follow along. But God has some very 
challenging words, to say the least, for the people of Israel in this passage, right? In fact, I'll just start in verse 4. I could go before, but hey, we're going to get through this. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This was the first temple that he's sharing this with. This sounds almost like an incantation as a, just because there's a temple, we're going to be okay. Just because there's a temple, we're going to be okay. Just because there's a temple, we're going to be okay. He's warning them against that. In verse 5, it says, for if you truly amend your ways and your doings. So this is a word he has to them. If you truly act justly with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. So the first thing that he's got a challenge with them with is they're, they're oppressing the widow. They're oppressing the orphan. They're saying, everything's okay, I go to church. But they're shedding innocent blood. They're not sharing. They're not revealing to the world who God is. They're, tr- they're, they're saying the name in the temple, but they're not revealing to the world again. They're not walking in, in, in obedience and revealing to the world who God is. In verse 8, it says, here you are trusting in deceptive words. They're just trusting in the words. We've got the temple, we've got the temple, we've got the temple. Will you steal? So not only are they oppressing the alien, right, the foreigner, the orphan, the widow, will you steal, will you murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And this is the key, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are safe. So will you go oppressing people, stealing, doing all these things, and then say, hey, I'm okay, I'm cool. I'm going to come before the Lord and before his presence. Only to go on doing these abominations, to continue to do it, right? It might be, and I I said the church thing because I try to put it into some context. It might be like saying, I go to church on Sunday, but I live my life like I want to throughout the week. I notice there's neighbors that are struggling. I know there's people at my workplace that are, and I just don't care, right? This is, if I'm being real. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? That's what Jesus is quoting, right? You know I too am watching, says the Lord, all right? So he says, I'm watching. The Lord is watching, and this is what he's saying. He's saying this idea of being a den of robbers is you're not reflecting who I am to the world. You are not living out what I've called you to live out. You're just trusting in this idea that there's a temple. This is what he's telling the people here. He's saying this is part of your problem. This is why becoming a people of prayer is so vital. It's not about going on a prayer walk every two weeks or you know, having prayer on Sunday mornings. It's about being people of prayer that, that, that surrender to what God is doing and listen and live it out. And show this world who Jesus is. Show the world the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Messiah. Like, God has an issue with this. Sorry, I know that's kind of heavy, but it's the reality. It's just, we can't just go around, I'm children of God, I'm children of God, and doing whatever we want. God is not super excited about that. Obviously, to make a, <laughs> to, to say it lightly, he's not super excited about that. I'm not getting all like legalistic or whatever. It's being real. Like this is, this is all through the Bible. This isn't just like one passage. So number one, this is one of the things that Jesus is frustrated with. Then Isaiah 56 is one of the most beautiful passages. I love this passage in the Bible. 
Isaiah 56 is so incredible. This will really help us understand, I think, the real crux to what Jesus is so frustrated with. One of them. The other part's very important, too. I'm going to start... I'll start in verse 3. I could go back further, but hey, let's, let's just roll. <clears throat> Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord, say, the Lord will surely separate me from this place. So pause. I don't think there's any Jewish people here, and if there are, that's awesome. If not, then we, that's us. We are the foreigners, okay? We are the, the aliens that they are, that he was mad about them um, oppressing, but here, the Lord is saying, do not let the foreigner join to the Lord, say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Just, med- just think about that for a second. And do not let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast to my covenant. So they have, there's, a, there's something for them to do, right? This isn't just like God saying... It's okay, let any eunuch that wants to come in, he's saying, listen, for those who really care about me and love me, who will hold, stay true to my covenant, I will give in my walls and within, excuse me, in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. It's an incredible promise. I love how Ben talked about sons and daughters this morning. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners, this is us, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to do what? To minister to him, to love the Lord, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, who keep the Sabbath, and do not profane it, and hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful. Praise God that he wants us to be joyful. <laughs> Where? In my house of what? Prayer. He calls it his house of prayer. Again, and he'll reiterate that. Um, I lost my place. Oh my gosh. Okay. Their burnt offerings and their, this is kind of, and their sacrifices to the foreigner, he's saying this, will be accepted on my, on, on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. This is what Jesus is quoting. Go to the next slide if you don't mind. This is Herod's temple or an artist's imaginative rendering of what it is. You can see that there's various courtyards, courtyards for priests, courtyards for women. See, everyone couldn't just go wherever they wanted to in the temple, right? We know in the very center there in the holy place, there's obviously the holy of holies where only one priest can go once a year. If you look on the very far outside, you see where it says Gentiles courtyard? This would be where we would be allowed to go if we were to go to the temple. This is if we trust in the Lord and we hold fast his commandments and, and we keep his Sabbath and all these things. This is where we would have been allowed to go. This is where they set up the market, okay? It was outside here around the Gentile courtyard. So if we can understand one of the things, the key things that Jesus was so frustrated about was that the people of Israel were not taking seriously his call to allow Gentiles to be part of the people of God. Isn't that incredible? He is passionate that all people groups are invited to be part of the house of prayer. That all of us. And the Israelites were not, again, focusing on that. We know that later, as Jesus dies and resurrected, it says that that 
courtyard, that wall, the dividing wall got crashed down. And us as Gentiles are allowed in (laughs) to the holiest place. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about us being able to go behind the veil, right? It's just absolutely incredible. Who's the temple? Where is the temple now? I know most of us know this, but let's just let's go over it in case someone doesn't. What is the temple now? I like the I like us and we are. I like that. John King is not the temple. I am not the temple. Jared's not the temple. Larissa's not the temple. Anna's not the temple. Bethany's not the temple. We are the temple. Someone may be a brick. Someone may be some mortar. Someone may be, you know, whatever part of the altar, whatever it may be. But we are the temple of God. And Jesus in this passage is zealous, is zealous that his temple, his house, would be a place of prayer, continual prayer, and that all people groups would be invited into that. Isn't that incredible? This is one of the reasons that it's so important that we don't treat this as a, "Ah, let's do it for a few months. (laughs) Let's, Let's fast for a week. Let us become a place of prayer for the nations and pray that we can reach the nations and the people groups and all this that are all over our city. It's so important that we're not exclusive, that we're not in any way, shape, or form, that we never follow what the Israelites did, that we welcome and we, we pray for the nations. We pray that God, I mean, that's part of it, like, as we're going through the neighborhoods and praying, I mean, God, that's we're praying for the people groups here, praying for the people groups in Murfreesboro, praying that people from all over the world will join in this house of prayer for the nations, right? It's so exciting. All right, let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because this is, I think there's connections here. This is the, this is the verse that the Lord gave me. <clears throat> and I'm going to start in verse 12, but let me, let me give you some context so you know what's going on here. Um, Paul's talking in this passage about the new ministry we have in the Spirit, Okay? He's contrasting it with the ministry that was given to Moses whenever he came down with the tablets. You guys remember that? He got the two tablets of stone. He comes down. And in the midst, it's something shocking happens. When he comes down, his face is glowing <laughs> because of his encounter with the presence of God. It's just incredible. In fact, if you go to the next slide, Moses had, he, he had this glow. He had to veil his face because of this glow, because it was like, it was wild. Could you imagine someone's face glowing because they're in, in, in the presence of God so much? But here, Paul is emphatic that even though that ministry came in glory, chiseled in, uh, on stone tablets, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is far more glorious so can you imagine this idea that being in prayer to the Lord, because it also in, that, in Exodus, not only did his face glow when he got the tablets, but it said that he would lift the veil when he went in to speak with the Lord. So when he went into his prayer closet, into his tent of meeting, and he spoke with the Lord, he would begin to glow because of his, the presence. And yet, Paul says, amazingly, 
that it's way better for us. Why might it be better for us? So many reasons to think about. Number one, we don't have to go to a specific place. That we are now the temple of God and that God, this is why, oh man, this is so exciting. I hope that we get excited to spend more time in prayer. That it's not like, oh, that we constantly have access to God through Jesus' blood and the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And because of that, we can commune with God while we're driving, while we're going on walks, while we're in our rooms, while we're at work. That's one of the, and I, I could go on many reasons, but one of the many reasons that, like, this, is, this new ministry of the Spirit that Paul talks about is so much more glorious. We house the Spirit of God. I can't even wrap my mind around that. I've tried to. <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around the glory that we are, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells us. Amazing. Okay. Verse 12 says, Since then, since all of that, we have such a hope... <clears throat> We act with great boldness. So we're actually called to act with boldness. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. Basically, Paul's saying that glory was fading. This glory is permanent. Like, the, the, the glory that Moses had, the glory of the, of the first covenant, the covenant that God made, the law, that's fading. There's some, a ministry of the Spirit that will never fade. But their minds were hardened indeed to this very day when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant. The same veil is still, is still there. I got my country on right there. It's still there since only in Christ is it set aside. The only way the veil was removed is removed is through Christ, right? He shows us the truth of who God is. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil is over their minds, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So the veil, again, is removed in Christ. Now, the Lord is a spirit. That's his strong words, by the way. The supreme authority is the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. And with that in mind, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, this is, where, this is the powerful stuff here. And all of us, with unveiled faces, right? We don't have to veil our faces. Seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in the mirror, are being metamorphosed, going through metamorphosis, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes, how does this even happen? From the supreme authority, the Holy Spirit. Go to the next slide. I like this picture. This is kind of the whole idea of the picture of metamorphosis. And when we think of what Paul's saying is, before Christ, some caterpillars are okay looking. Some are real ugly, though, aren't they? You ever see one of these? You're like, holy. Like, I've, I, would go, I went to my grill one day, almost jumped back. I'm just about to get some, holy smokes, smokes, and has these little horn-looking things coming out. I didn't like the way that looked. I think that's what I looked like before Jesus. <laughs> but Paul's saying that because of the ministry of Holy Spirit, you and I, if we will yield to the work of the Spirit in our lives, the Spirit's work, there's not a lot of straining that goes on during metamorphosis, but there's a lot of yielding to what God, or uh, to what's taking place. 
we can go from this caterpillar to what does it say? What is the image that we're being transformed into? Jesus. That's, if the Holy Spirit abiding in us is not mind-blowing enough to where it's hard to really even grasp, to grasp the fact that we are being transformed into the image of Jesus, that where Moses goes in and he spends time with God and his face glows and all this, where we have access in prayer through Jesus to constantly spend time with God, to constantly together with one another spend time with the Lord. And I brought this up because this is a process, and I know Greg talked about that a couple weeks ago, that, you know, I, I share all these people that are making these difference pray for six hours a day and all this stuff, and we go, and I go, oh, I'm, I'm not there yet. Because this is a journey, right? I can't, I'm not going to go work, th- if I go and try to work out three hours a day right now, if you've never worked out, you are going to weigh yourself out, and in two or three days, you're going to be done, if not after day one. At day one, that's right, Larissa. But if we recognize that to be a people of prayer, Jesus was a person of prayer. He was so intimate with God, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear the Father say. Who wants to be like that? Wow, who want, no, no, who actually wants to be like that? Because <laughs> some of us are like, yeah, and some of us are like, Really? <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm checking my heart on this, like 1,000%. Like, wow, there's some things I might not do if I was actually living this out. Oh, Lord, change me. But as we're undergoing this, prayer is a key role in this, and God's heart is zealous that we would become this, that we would not get excited about prayer for a week or two or three weeks, but that you and I would look back in a year from now and go, look at what God has transformed in my life. Look at how much I'm becoming more like Jesus. Look at how much we're becoming more like Jesus and we're showing the world something different so that God doesn't look and go, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you're a, you don't care for the poor. You don't care for the widows. You don't care for those. You're not doing any of this stuff and you're just coming and doing your own thing. But that we could show the world God's heart. Man, that's exciting. Last thing I'm just going to share is I was excited um, excited about something that ha- happened this last several weeks. About a month or maybe more than a month ago, I was at the gym, speaking of, and I want to reach the gym because like, I'm like, hey, God, this is a place for me to, that I'm at. If I'm going to become a person of prayer, it's not just like I, you know, do it at church, or we go to the hookah bar, and that's all I do is just try to reach people. No, it's like everywhere I go, I want to become um, a minister of reconciliation, and I want to become a person of prayer. And so, like, there's a challenge in the gym nowadays is everyone goes and puts their headphones in. It's a big challenge. Ninety-something percent of people probably have their headphones in, right? And so getting to know people is, like, intruding on them and in their space and all this stuff. And I'm just kind of, like, at one point, just like, God, I've been here for several months, and and I'm going to be real. I'm not being super intentional. Like, I'm not. Like, I'm just occasionally I'm like, yeah, God, that'd be nice. Um, yeah, maybe I should talk to that person, but then I'll work out three times and not really think about it. Listen to, you know, some talk radio about how the Vols lost but looked pretty good. But I'll do some of those things. But a month or so ago, I just felt this burden. I said, you know what? I'm not proper. I'm not praying for this place, really. Like, I'm shooting up a few every now and then. Like, hey, Lord, it'd be nice. Something happens. God. And so I decided that as I'm working out, 
I'm just going to start praying. And I just started praying over the place, and Lord, help me to find connections of people that, that are open to you and all this kind of stuff. Well, about that time, Seth starts working out with me. You're an answer to prayer. I haven't told you this. I don't want to save it for the message. Um, Seth starts working out with me, and he does not know anyone who is not his best friend immediately, almost. It's just the reality. I mean, there's one day we're working out, five minutes into a conversation, he's about to go have lunch with a guy at Chipotle. I'm not that kind of a guy. I'm just being real. Like, you may think I'm, like, outgoing and stuff, but I'm not, like, I'm just not, I'm not a Seth. And Seth starts working out with me. Well, what happens? Very shortly after we start working out, uh, Seth and I go have lunch. We have some sushi. I love sushi. Oh, my gosh. With the assistant manager over there. It's my favorite food of all time. Uh, With the assistant manager over there. Since then, he's younger. He's around Seth's age. So Seth is just taking a run with it. Seth has had been over at his house multiple times, had many spiritual conversations with him, with his um, girlfriend who's Wiccan. Like, God is doing some cool stuff. And it began in a place of prayer. It began saying, God, I'm going to become serious about praying and seeking you for this place. And guess what? Anyone can do this. I have had times where I prayed this, and it didn't happen so fast. So don't get discouraged if you pray in three months from now. You're like, John, two weeks after that, you, Seth, God just gave you Seth. All right? It happens that way sometimes. It doesn't happen that way all the time. But any one of us can say, I'm going to become serious about praying for my workplace. As I drive into work, I'm going to pray for the teachers. You know, if I'm at school, I'm going to pray for the guys and the gals on the line. If I'm in a factory or for my employees, if I'm a manager of some type, I'm going to begin to pray for them, for the people that I'm going to come in contact with every day. When I take a lunch break, I'm going to spend a little bit of time, even five minutes. Something, something that we can do and become people of prayer, right? Something like just become, allow the Holy Spirit to transform you. You don't have to go for an hour, your whole lunch break. Do something. <laughs> where you're allowing God to, 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 take, to, to, to metamor- take you through a process of metamorphosis. But any of us can do that. And so I just pray that that's, that's been my heart for today, that we be encouraged, that if we become a people of prayer, God will do amazing things. And guess what? I was praying that God would use me, and so far, I mean, I've had some okay conversations, but he's really using Seth. So are we willing to just let God do what God wants to do, or do we want to make him do it the way we want to make him do it? I often want to make him do it the way I want to make him do it. And he often just says, well, I'll just do it my way if you don't mind. And when I finally go, I don't mind, something actually happens. And while I mind, it don't happen a lot of times. <laughs> so so let's, um, let's pray. Actually, as we end today, Ben made a suggestion last week. Let me have my phone. Let's implement your suggestion real quick. If that's all right, Ben. Ben said... It's 11.05, y'all. I mean, we aren't doing great. Okay, the, the Titans are not playing for 55 more minutes, okay? Good job on the, doing a quicker sermon today, John. I'm just, I want to watch the Titans too, but it had nothing to do with that. All right, I'm going to set a timer for two minutes. For two minutes, we're going to be still, and we're just going to listen to God. I failed to mention, sorry, this is a hugely important thing. The Hebrew word for prayer in that section, do you know what that means when he says we become a house of prayer for all nations? Tefillah, it means to judge oneself is what it means. So in that section, Israel was not rightly judging oneself, their selves. 
You see what they were doing, the mess they were doing with all that? And God had a problem with that. You were to be a house of that. So let's just take a two minutes and let's just reflect on ourselves and where God has us in our lives. You don't have to say a word to pray. There's different prayer words or prayer words for petition and all that kind of thing, but you don't have to say a word. Let's just be still and just reflect on, on prayer and in our lives. And if God has something that he speaks to you, you, go, you may go, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid, I don't know if God speaks to me. I'll just tell you that, that God can speak to you through a still, small voice. Maybe you close your eyes and a picture comes into your mind or whatever. The only way that we grow in listening to the Lord is to kind of step out and try things in a community of believers where we don't bash each other if we get it wrong. <laughs> we can grow together in this. So if someone does at the end of this feel like they have something from the Lord to share with, the, um, with all of us, feel free. But there's no pressure. I hate this pressure stuff. I've been a part of churches. It's like, what's God telling you right now, John? And I'm like, dude, chill. I don't know. So we're going to take two whole minutes here and just be still. It's going to sound like forever, feel like forever. But we're going to take two minutes and just listen to the Lord and examine ourselves. All right, that's two minutes. That wasn't so, that wasn't super long. Um, before we before I pray, does anyone have anything they felt on their heart? Yes. Oh, wow, great. Um, so when I was me and Anna both decided we wanted to sit on the floor because I like to do that whenever I'm praying. Um, it makes me feel more grounded. Um. But when I was praying, I was like, God, I always like have so many things going through my head and it's really hard for me to like hear from him because I feel like I'm always thinking about something and my brain is always going a million miles a minute. Um, and so I was like, if there's just some way you can speak to me in a way that's not 
a word so that I know it's from you. Um, and at that moment, I got this song in my head, <laughs> and it's my favorite church song ever. It's the, you have turned my morning into dancing, and I do the little dance all the time. <laughs> and I was just thinking about how, like, it's so, like, I felt like it was so specific to me that it couldn't have just like been a song that popped in my head. It was like from God. Um, just because I'm a very emotional person and I always have so many things going on in my life. And so a lot of times I find myself really down and just either crying or angry or I don't really know what's going on because I just have a lot. So um, I just thought that was really specific to me how even in times of mourning, he turns it into joy. And that's how we're going to overcome things is it's just going to be our joy through him. That is so cool. Can we tell you how crazy cool that is? As, as confirmation for you, Bethany, I never hear God like that, but he did the exact same thing when I was just sitting down right here. I'd never hear God in song. I sat down and make me a vessel, make me an offering. It just started going in my head and then make something beautiful out of me. I can't remember what song that is. And I felt like God telling me, if you will yield to me, I will make something beautiful, but you're not in this, in this area of your life. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But God never speaks to me like that. And he did. I wasn't going to share that, but he spoke to me exactly like that too. That's crazy. Fantastic. Thank you. Do you want a microphone? Thank you so much. That's super important. We have two hands over here and then a bin. Wow, yeah. Better than sons and daughters. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. That's good. Keep it going. Lord, keep speaking to her. That's so good. What is better than sons and daughters? That's good. That's amazing. Wow, that's really good. Now you got my noodle going, and I love that. Thank you. Thank you.
pray for that. That's big time. Yeah. Pray for that, too. Yes. We'll pray. Here, let me get the microphone so people can, we can make sure that we can all hear, if you don't mind. Uh, what what she's just brought up is her real problem. There, as Lisa has told us, her workload has just quadrupled um, many times over because we've had nurses who have quit their jobs because of the crazy protocols that are in place. Let's just take a moment as a body and pray for our school nurses and especially for Lisa, who's um, one of our our own body here. And uh, and ask ask God to to uh, to send the people that we need for our children's uh, good care. Let's do that. Lord, we thank you that you're watching out for us. We thank you for the work that our school nurses do. We ask a special blessing on our our sister Lisa and all the other school nurses. Um, bring the people that we our children need. And bless those who are working now. Give them the strength and the courage uh, to endure uh, during this, this horrific pandemic. Lord, put your hand on them. Give them what they need. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God must be... This must be God's day for song. He put a song in my mind, too. Did he? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all song. the worlds your hands have made. Yeah. That was the song that went through my mind while I was being quiet. Yeah. Brandon, I'll go to. I was going to keep this uh, to myself, but uh, I decided to share it. <laughs> um, but uh, during the. During the talk, um, you know, you were talking about Jesus flipping the tables over and how there was more to that than, you know, what we've usually heard. And, uh, you know, you know, I started thinking about how, you know, Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to show God, you know, so everyone has access to him. And they failed. They didn't do that. And so that's something that I've known for a while, um, and I guess here. And I just kind of had a God moment during the talk because um, it went from the 12 inches from up here to down here. It is. Um, because, like, aren't we in the same boat if we're not reaching and sharing Jesus wow. during the week? Um, to other folks, 
no matter how it is that we share, and be a light. Doesn't that make us like those guys yeah. thousands of years ago who weren't a light, who failed? So that was my uh, God moment. Wow. That's incredible. That was really good. Thank you for sharing that. Whew. My intention when John speaks is to approach and ask for God's blessing to be upon him. The story I told was something that God gave me prior to standing up. But what's amazing... Well, it's not amazing for God. But John used that to say something directly to me in my walk for obedience. And um, I just praise God for how he has moved through this day. Father. Give us a revelation of what it means to be better than sons and daughters. <laughs> Father, help us to not go around the mountain. And, and, and we know that when we read your word that <clears throat> it shows us the sins and the stumblings of people in the past and I thank you for that. Thank you that you've shown us that. Let us not be a people that see that and then just do it again and do it again and do it again. I know I've done it so many times, God. So, Father, I just want to end today by praying for all the people groups here in our city. Uh, Lord, you have a passion that your house would be a house of prayer for all nations, for all people groups. And, Lord, we know that we have people right here in the city from all over the world. Lord, we know that we have people that are from Arab descent, the Kurdish, Lord, all kinds of people. Father, we pray right now that you would, that these people would see the light of revelation of who Jesus is. That Holy Spirit, that the veil would be removed in Jesus, as your word says, and that you would bring people who know you alongside of them so they have and we say, use us, Lord. Use us. Bring us. Bring people of their own descent, Lord, alongside so that they have somewhere to go. That they're not left just wondering. That there would be disciples made, deep lovers of Jesus made, all over our city. From every nation, tribe, and people in language. I, I pray for that, God. I pray that there will be disciples in every single people group in our city. And I ask that you would show us how we can be used in that. In Jesus' name, amen.